0: earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal, just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and
1: break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria.
2: I'm David Hanscom and today we're going to continue our second episode in this series on pain reprocessing therapy. The title of today's podcast is becoming Sherlock Holmes with regards to your pain and the purpose is is that. Um, pain is complicated, we will list five components of pain reprocessing therapy, but today we're focused on gathering your own personal evidence. And we know gathering data helps you feel more secure we don't feel secure is anti inflammatory and helps your pain, so we're going to review the second component of pain reprocessing therapy, which is gathering your personal evidence.
1: Yeah, that's right, folks. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this episode and as we build upon pain reprocessing therapy. David, uh, how about we do um, a quote here? Uh, Let me read it to you, the folks. Often to be free means the ability to deal with realities of one's own situation so as not to be overcome by them. Howard Thurman. Who? (laughs) Yeah, look him up. Howard Thurman. Like Umar Thurman. Oh, okay, oh, Thurman. oh okay. Howard Thurman. I heard a different name. Okay. He's a theologian and um, a pretty famous um, African-American theologian. And just a lot of cool things he says. I'll read it again so we can actually hear it because it kind of matches with today's stuff and what we've been talking about. Often to be free means the ability to deal with one's reality. The reality is this, pun intended. When you fight what shows up, everything gets worse inside of you. So learning to gather information as we move forward today and talking about the second component, we want to be able to kind of gather information and go like is this helping the way I'm kind of dealing with my pain or life or my situation. So David, how about we just kind of get into um, just a quick review of what PRT is, pain reprocessing therapy, and then review the components, then we'll just kind of jump into it. So what is pain reprocessing therapy? This is just a recap from our previous Um, recording pain reprocessing therapy is basically a technique that trains the brain to reinterpret uh, the pain fear cycle that we get caught up in and thereby reducing or limiting the pain by training the brain that you are safe so when you feel pain if you can lean into it and recognize I'm actually caught up in fear and learning to dial that fear down in doing so you send yourself messages of safety. And what, what they do in pain reprocessing therapy is they add another component to it, which basically re- to remind you that there is no damage. Everything that was damaged is now healed. So I am safe. So pain reprocessing therapy is about breaking the cycle and sending messages of safety to yourself.
2: So let's review there's five components of PRT and we gave an overview but the first part is education just what pain reprocessing therapy is which was the topic of last week's podcast and then today we're going to talk about gathering your own personal evidence Um, the third one is leaning into the pain once you lose that fear you're able to actually lean into it and start living your life And as you reprogram your pain the pain really does lessen We also will be discussing the fourth section is other emotional threats. We know emotional pain is processed in the the same part of the brain as physical pain and it hurts. And we don't like to hurt, so we tend to suppress it or fight it. Then the final one, which is where the real healing occurs, is creating positive feelings and sensations. So again, education, gathering personal evidence, leaning into the pain, other emotional threats, and creating positive feelings and sensations. So today's a big one. Dr. Ari, let you get started on this, because this is what you do clinically. You've been doing it for a long time. And just to be clear, there's a major paper published in JAMA here this year where they did a prospective study on a group of patients looking at pain reprocessing therapy and sort of a dramatic reduction in pain in a high percent of people using this technique. Well, what the journal article didn't say is that Dr. Ari has been doing this for a long time. <laughs> So this but I will just tell you that for all of us that see patients heal the principles always come down to this common set of principles so it turns out actually for me and my process is what I've been doing for years So we all have our different styles and PRT happens to create a nice structure for us to discuss a, discuss the a components
1: yeah absolutely and, and um, I love how the study just reinforces and affirms supports and provides evidence for us that, and this is an important thing, David, that uh, the folks need to understand, and uh, as we do a, another quick recap, the study that came out, pain reprocessing therapy, uh, this was a three-armed study, a randomized controlled study. That's just a fancy name for they. They took this intervention and, and compared it to the placebo and also standard medical care. And uh, and one of the things that they found out about that is that the brain changes when you fear the pain less and when you send yourself safety messages. They actually figured out where the stuff happens. It's actually where we process the emotions and how we think about our pain, and which is basically the mid-cingulate gyrus and also the prefrontal cortex, where a lot of our thinking is. So when we can shift our beliefs about what is the real cause of the pain, The brain is producing it. It's a false message. When we can actually shift it, the changes occur in the brain. So they did a pre and post MRI and they found that the part that we want to show you is this is it's very difficult to grasp this material. David and I um, often have patients that argue with this and we're not here to argue. I think David and I, we don't do, we don't, uh, homie don't play that. Um, We're not here to uh, convince you. This is why today's, episode is really important. You, you need to gather your own information on how your pain changes throughout the day and and maybe even with whom it is. So we'll kind of kind of start off here. One of the things David I wanted to emphasize besides just doing the recap of that um, JAMA article that came out the pain reprocessing therapy, let's kind of take a look at a couple of things. I want to direct our conversation on, on three specific points here. One is that um, it is truly difficult to overcome pain. It really is fear of pain, because this is a big thing, and I wanted us to have a dialogue about it so we can educate our audience, is this when we actually equate hurt with damage, game over. Whenever you start to move, or you move your arm, or you you stand up, or you wake up and you're feeling this intense sensation in your body, for example, back pain, let's take that as a common thing. We sometimes believe there's something damaged in us. And so it's really important, uh, David being a surgeon, a physician, you know, when your doctor has checked you out and says, Look, you're good to go. We get kind of upset. And I'll let David talk about this. But sometimes even when a doctor tells you you are safe to move, um, the traditional doctors, unlike David and several others, they will explain it. But the traditional doctors usually say, Well, I don't see anything wrong. so. Maybe it's just stressed. And that is when people get really defensive. Do you have any comment to this about hurt does not equal damage and you talking to patients um, about pain and not so much convincing them, but how do you do it and what are your thoughts about it?
2: Well, first of all, people have to gather, gather their own evidence. So I ask people not particularly to believe me at all. I, don't mm-hmm. actually, I actually, actually ask them to embrace their disbelief. Because remember, connecting, your, you know, the healing is about connection. That means connecting to everything. So connecting to the negative, connecting to the positive. So as a surgeon, I was at a huge disadvantage because I was their last hope. And it took me years to figure this out. And surgery is held up as the ultimate answer. Well, again, the success rate for a spine fusion for back pain is 20%. The chance of making you worse is about 40 to 60%. So I quit doing the operation, but I didn't have anything else to offer so what happens is that when you're upset angry or you're afraid of the pain or you don't understand what's going on you your inflammatory markers go up well pain is a dangerous signal and you're supposed to be afraid so it's actually doing its job is that this pain signal is generating fear but that fear happens to be inflammatory which makes the pain worse so my argument now is that symptoms in the body i don't care if it's irritable bowel migraine headaches pain whatever it is is from the physiology yeah i mean it's how the body functions and so if the physiology is off full of inflammation elevated metabolism or fuel consumption there is something wrong right so we think there's a term called medically unexplained symptoms and my thing is that these symptoms are explained by physiology The terms should be medically explained symptoms
1: yeah I think there, there, there lies that even if we take the um, medically unexplained symptoms or your your back pain, your you know the 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 pain, the sensations you feel in your body, this is the first talking point that we want to kind of emphasize in this episode. If you believe what you believe, who are we to try to convince you? If you believe that the hurt you feel that you're experiencing is actually due to some sort of damage, then that is that is the belief that you hold. However, I often ask my my patients this, David. Is that hanging on to that belief that you're damaged, even though the doctor has said there's no there's no cancer, there's no infection, you know it looks good. Um, I'm not sure why you are still hurting or continue. Uh, we've tried different therapies, we've tried physical therapy, we've tried this, like, that, that, um, or even psychotherapy for that matter. And I don't know why you're still hurting. At that point, you know, it becomes overwhelming. We become fearful that the people that we entrust do not have the answers. And not all doctors or psychologists and therapists are trained alike, including physical therapists. And this is the first point that it's really important for everyone to recognize, to gather your own evidence that is that the fear of your pain, if you believe hurt equals damage, that in of itself will activate your threat physiology.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we do know that fear is actually inflammatory and the pain actually does become worse. So yeah, you're supposed to be afraid of the pain. That's what it's supposed to do. And unfortunately, medicine has really embraced the idea that everything's structural and they're absolutely backwards on this one. So yeah, we um, you're programmed that way and overcoming that fear is extremely challenging. <clears throat> so the next thing is the goal of treatment is help patients embrace the idea that their pain is due to a central process that is coming from the brain not a structural or physical problem in their bodies. So that one's tricky too, because okay, I touch a table and this table's real because it's a little bit cool and it's firm. Mm-hmm. Okay. My brain just interpreted that. So that's real. So if you have a pain for some reason, the brain is short circuited and you feel pain that's real the and brain, the brain can't tell. So if the brain is the brain is sensitized and it's firing signals when it shouldn't, the pain signal is there. And so it's the hardest conversation I have had a lot of trouble trying to say, Hey, look, without a brain, you have no pain. Or like Howard Schumer says, the pain is main. What is the My Fair Lady song? The pain in the brain exists mostly in the brain. No, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I Wait, mean, David, pain, I, without a brain, you have no pain. Let's put it that way.
1: Was that a, Was it a Davidism without, pain? <laughs>
2: no, no, without a it?
1: brain? There is no pain. Oh my goodness, folks. Stop. Stop the press. David came up with a, a Davidism on the fly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a little awkward, but I got I got through it. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, so, you know, I mean but Bruce LaFills has said it really clearly, who's a friend of lesson mine who wrote the book called The Biology Belief is that the difference between a cadaver what's the difference between a cadaver and a living human being? I mean cadaver has the same structure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not feeling pain, but it's energy and motion in interpreting signals from their periphery. So you remember your brain's a relay station, it doesn't, it's interpreting all sorts of signals from every organ, everyone counts, and we'll talk about this later, thoughts are also a threat that fires up the nervous system, so you have a really sensitized nervous system. But one point one of my workout buddies pointed out is that, okay, so you have a bone spur, it's been there for years, all of a sudden you come to the surgeon with pain down the side of your leg that matches the bone spur. What I found out, which basically put myself out of business is that when you're under stress and we keep thinking stress is psychological, but it's physiological, your whole body chemistry changes. So that bone spur will be the first one to light up. It's already got a little little bit of compression. And so it has some compression and you have to, um, understand when the body threshold changes, that bone spur will light up. When I calmed people down, even with the bone spur, the pain disappeared.
0: Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
2: So anyway, the bottom line is, is that your brain is it's only a central process, and um, you have to interpret signals, and sometimes they just flat out short circuit. Yeah. So,
1: so David, uh, that that's really, and, and again, just to kind of um, just go back to a previous two talking points to summarize the dialogue here is that when we're really emphasizing to you is this is um, it's really we're emphasizing the first point that's really difficult to overcome fear of pain if you continue to believe that you're damaged that's just a brief summary another talking point we just emphasized was that the goal of pain reprocessing therapy the treatment that even david and i use is that to help people understand that this is coming from the brain and i like david's um davidism you know pain comes from the brain um even just that simple thought and i like david's um analogies that if you don't have a brain there is no pain that's a Davidism, folks. You now, it makes me a
2: little nervous when you start agreeing with me so much. This is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's too early in the morning. It's a little
2: David. early, so let's, uh, okay. Yeah, so well, with I'll that take said, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, with that said, so those are the two main points is that, you know, really take a look and see is that hurt does not equal damage. Number two, that all this pain is coming from the brain. And David, the, um, the metaphor I use is, When my patients say, so you're telling me my knee pain, back pain, body pain, ankle pain is all coming from the brain now, uh uh-huh. And then I'll tell them, I'll do this in my office um, and I'll tell them to look up. If you're at home, look up and find a sprinkler. I hope you have a sprinkler in one of the rooms. Now the point here is this is when you look up and see a sprinkler, let's imagine that sprinkler system that's uh, on your ceiling is your back pain. Let's keep it simple. So you would agree that water comes from the sprinkler. You would agree that I feel pain in my back because that's where it is. However, here's the question and I want to say mic drop. This is me saying mic drop. How embarrassing and shameless I am is where does the water come from in the sprinkler? It comes from a reservoir or tank and that tank is your brain. Mic drop. Sorry, did you hear it? The point here is is that this is an important part for you to believe that pain is is an opinion of the brain and that's where it's centrally processed.
2: Well, and you said there's some challenges as far as changing these um, reasons. You talk about basically biological, we are wired to associate physical pain with physical injury. I will add on the emotional pain, by the way, human consciousness is relatively new in the course of evolution. So, you know, emotional pain hurts, physical pain hurts. We don't like either pain. So we tend to just suppress the physical, I mean, we tend to suppress the emotional, which we're pretty good at until we're not. And then when we suppress the emotional pain, then you fire up the physiology and the physical pain gets worse. So pain is supposed to be a protective mechanism, but in chronic pain, it's like the car alarm that won't go off. It's incredibly annoying. You do have a danger signal. Maybe there is somebody out of the car, probably not. And so our goal is to convince you that there's not somebody breaking into your car, that this thing is just not turning off. Yeah. So final thing I'll say on that one is it has been well documented that after, that after six to 12 months, just like any learned skill, riding a bicycle, whatever, the pain does get memorized. So even if you have a structural cause for it, you still have to calm down the nervous system before you do surgery. Yeah. So that brain does memorize. Remember, we memorize everything. I don't have to memorize again, not to touch a hot stove, right? I learned that. But we, we memorize everything. Think about it. We we put meaning and memorization to everything. I opened a book to read it. I don't have to learn how to read a book again. I memorized it. I don't have to memorize how to walk. I don't have to memorize how to avoid the hot stove. So the problem is we get <clears throat> memorized. Pain is structural. And so that's why it's so challenging to change this. And by the way, the medical profession has gone to structural costs for everything because it's profitable to offer structural solutions. And what less than I do is incredibly effective and other people like us, but it doesn't cost very much. It doesn't produce a lot of revenue. So we've also been programmed by the medical profession. There's always something wrong and we're gonna do all these tests to find it. And when we don't, sorry, have a good life, we did the best we could. But the inter- then the interventions we do, almost every one of them, which is a different conversation, the faceplocks, the rhizotomies, the epidurals, the- all these things actually been documented not to work. So it- remember, it's in the medical profession's interest to say everything's structural. So that's also programming that's very, very hard to break.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think David just nailed um, the third um, talking point before we kind of get a little bit more into gathering your evidence is David's third point here was learned associations. We basically, pain becomes a a brain habit, just like any habit, as David said. And the key word that we want you to remember is this associations or habits. We, you know, we get triggered in certain situations. The brain learns pain in the brain, and so that's an important thing. And we reinforce it when we fear it. And this is the hard part. We'll talk a little bit more next week about how to lean into the pain. But right now, David, um, let's shift our, our discussion into gathering. Like, um, you know, how do we? What can we do to kind of one way to combat uh, this belief that no, no, I'm damaged or this is really due to my fancy diagnosis? And please know we're not trying to be condescending or dismiss what your doctor have said. We I like what David said in the beginning. Why don't you gather your own evidence? We're not here to convince you. So take a look at this. Um, the second component of pain reprocessing therapy, PRT, is for you to gather as much evidence possible to reinforce that the pain is actually due to the brain. And as David said, sort of a misfiring um, in service to protect you. Um, and so, David, um, a couple of thoughts about indicators that this is actually coming um, from the brain. Uh, any thoughts on that?
2: So first thing before we get into this is that as a surgeon, I became very, very hyper not missing a structural diagnosis or it's it's, an, it's a certain nightmare to miss a structural diagnosis. So I didn't sure. assume anything until I ruled that out. It doesn't matter what the symptoms are. So let why don't you just read through that list of indicators of what centralized pain looks like. And again, okay. we're not asking you to believe it today, but just to look at these and start gathering your own evidence over the next month, two months, a year or so, and just keep gathering the evidence. So unless you want to list that, yeah, how
1: about, how about, yeah, I think it will be helpful to just kind of uh, go over indicators that this is really coming from the brain. Think about this. is one, one indicator that this is coming from the brain was when the pain came on, think about when your pain came on, was it during a stressful time? Number two, have you thought about it that, you know, uh, this is not for everyone, but maybe majority, I would say, um, is that when the pain came on, it came on without an injury or it's insidiously which means slowly it kind of worsened and now it's reached an apex it's kind of gotten worse. Um, another indicator that this is coming from the brain is the inconsistency of how the pain presents itself. What do we mean by that is that um, sometimes it shows up in certain situations and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, another a fourth one is when um, you realize that you have um, situations or different body symptoms that actually show up. So it's not just the back pain, you have headaches, you've had, you know, stomach problems, your ankle hurts, you notice you've had a lot of body aches and sensations that the doctors cannot quite understand why, or treatment has not responded to it. And maybe a fifth one here, uh, not to overwhelm you folks, but a fifth indicator, this is coming from the brain, is that pain gets triggered um, in certain things. I'll give you an example. Uh, Sometimes, uh, hopefully my mom's not listening, but when I go visit my mom, sometimes my back tightens up. (laughs) <laughs> right in the middle and so I hope um, I hope
2: your mother is not listening this um, morning
1: I okay. don't want to miss a Sunday dinner so my point here is sorry mom and so the point here is this is I unconsciously I'm not I my mom's a good woman she's because of her she's helped me make sure I studied hard but when I'm in a presence I, there's this fear response I have that I'm not consciously thinking about it but that's one of the things is your pain kind of lights up in certain situations and this is an important thing for you to start paying attention to is when does it light up, whom does it light up with, which situation, even when you're sitting there and thinking, when you wake up in the morning and you have a thought, do you notice how your stomach churns, your body tightens up? These are indicators strongly supporting that pain comes in the brain. And this is kind of a component of gathering your own evidence and encountering it as much as you can.
2: But again, remember, these are triggers. In other words, In that situation where you feel a little bit triggered, your body physiology changes. In other words, this is not a psychological process. Your body just reacted to a cue, a cue of danger as opposed to a cue of safety. So it does go the other way around. For instance, I have a good friend of ours who's had lots of issues and lots of chronic pain, lots of anxiety, lots of all sorts of stuff going on. Multiple physical symptoms, but he's a drummer. He never hurts while he's playing the drum. So when you're engaged in your passion, your brain's in a different spot. So if you have a structural problem, the pain can't disappear like that. Or I'll never forget this many years ago, before I knew anything about chronic pain, I had this big gentleman, injured veteran, 25 years of total body pain. All of a sudden, he leans over and looks at me. and goes, when in my motorcycle shop, he used to build these super high level motorcycles called choppers.
1: Yeah. He
2: says, I never hurt my, he says, I never hurt in my shop. I'm going what? But when your brain's occupied by your passion and what you enjoy, that's also an indicator that the pain is centralized. But again, not psychological. When you're doing your passion, there's oxytocin, anti-inflammatory. Your body chemistry changes dramatically. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. And again, so as we, um, like I said, the reality is we just want you to recognize that this is an easy but difficult thing to do. and just want everyone to understand. For you to get better, you need to start gathering the evidence that counters it. You notice that when you are, when everyone leaves your home, you notice your whole body feels pretty good. Your pain is not as bad. Um, You love your family, but sometimes you notice that that might be one of the triggers. Um, You know, David, one of the things, a sample sheet here might look something like this, and you can work with with a pain psychologist or a therapist trained in this technique. Um, is that to gather some evidence I'll give you an example uh, David with, that I do with my patients is um, and uh, is, is for example to realize that if you look, take a look at your history you've actually had this since you were a child um, you might have noticed that you might have back aches tummy aches and um, and then realize you've had headaches for a while and all of a sudden a pain in your body becomes dominant so just taking a look at that you've had a history of pain syndromes also maybe even kind of um, Pay attention to this, take a look at this. Here's an example another sample of evidence is that you realize that when your pain started, you were going through one, two, three. These were the top three things that were going on. When you're with me in my office, one of the questions I asked David is this when you were experiencing, so um, I got this from Howard Schubener, and it's kind of a cool statement too. So credit goes to him. Is that when I ask my patients this, I'm doing my intake first visit, basically ask them, besides your body hurting what when when your pain started what else key question here what else was hurting in your life and they usually go what what do you mean what else was hurting in my life when your pain started to get worse or when it commenced what else was going on in your life that was hurting and at that point they usually kind of take a step back well i don't think so and then i usually get an email after the intake or at the next visit they're like oh by the way yes i was going through a divorce uh, my spouse was cheating on me or i was struggling with finances or my kid went away to college and this is what happened so we want people to gather evidence and things like this notice when the time and place when your pain is worse because if something is really really um a structural issue or tissue damage it's constant and it doesn't change but notice as david says when does it get better when does it get worse with whom what situation and, and what was floating through your mind in that moment. So it's a real important um, gathering of that information.
2: So let's review a little bit what we talked about today. Um, <clears throat> we talked about that we've been programmed to think everything structural. And that maybe is true, maybe 10% of the time. Most physicians um, will rule out structural problems. So you can rest assured that most doctors are going after a structural diagnosis. And so that's always something I still do, just because I realize that the pain is mostly physiological. I still realize structural diagnosis. But again, we've been programmed as patients that it's always a structural problem. So remember, pain is intended to create fear, it's a survival sensation. And we do want you to understand that without your brain interpreting signals, remember, there's nothing in my hands that says this table is cool or the stove is hot. My brain has to interpret that signal that this is a dangerous signal. So again, understand that the, without the brain, you simply don't do not have any pain. Yeah. And then, of course, evolutionary we're programmed to associate pain with physical injury. And again, my sense is that when your body's physiology is off, that there is something wrong. So if your body chemistry is off, there's actually something physically wrong, right? If your acid-base balance is off, or your mm-hmm. electrolytes are off, or your temperature is elevated, those are physical changes. And then what Les just pointed out, I'll be a little bit clearer is that, not that you weren't clear, Dr. Arya, but I'm going to be <laughs> clearer <laughs> that there's over thirty symptoms, not include, not even including the diseases. There's over thirty symptoms that are connected with a fired up physiology. So there's migraine. I had seventeen of them at the same time. So it turns out anxiety, depression, OCD, migraines, ringing in my ears, burning in your feet, skin rashes are actually all manifestations of threat physiology. So, almost everybody I see that has chronic pain has at least three to five symptoms. I had one woman who had 24, and I actually sort of discouraged her from going through my process of going, you know, something, there's just too much going on here. She's fine. All the symptoms disappeared. All my symptoms have disappeared. So, um, unless you want to review the um, ideas of gathering the evidence, some of the, some of the clues that this might be centralized, just review that one more time.
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so here are the clues. And again, this is not the end-all, be-all list, but just for sake of um, brevity, i will go over it again. So indicators that pain truly is coming from the brain. And uh, pain originates during the pain when you originated. It originated. It started when you were going through a lot of stress in your life. And um, it could be anything. Second thing, pain originates without injury, more insidiously, slowly comes on third one is um the inconsistency of how pain presents itself from time to time day to day week to week a fourth one is basically pain presenting itself in a variety of different somatic symptoms bodily symptoms uh not just what you're concerned about but other parts uh and you have a and you have a history of that and the fifth and last one that we wanted to hit home for you to kind of help you guide you here is that pain triggers Um, Basically, your pain gets triggered in different situations and contacts and with certain people, what you're doing and not doing when people are home and not home, when you're at work or not at work. Those kind of pain triggers in different situations really emphasize that this is all coming from the brain and, as David said, to protect you because pain is a signal of danger and it's in service of your survival.
2: Well, and the reason why I just emphasize why Les and I are so passionate about this and many people like us is that we're trained to manage pain. And what we see is pain disappears.
1: Yeah.
2: We, I mean, this is pain reprocessing therapy. Just you quit living your life in fear. You deliver your life on your terms and people really thrive at a level that's unbelievable. We have actually hundreds of stories now, people not only healing, but thriving. So this is, the second of a, this is the second of five parts of the pain reprocessing therapy. And we really appreciate you um, joining us today. And Dr. Arya, I'm gonna give you the last word today.
1: Well, um, thank I, did, you. I just feel
2: a little generous here.
1: Oh, yeah, I love it, folks. I'm gonna give it back to uh, Dr. Hanscom here. Hey, um, folks, one of the things that I want you to do is I'm gonna mention some resources from my part. I'm gonna pitch it back to David and we'll wrap up here. So if you really are looking to get some help here and you're like, wait a minute, uh, what about this and what what if this? So if this was somewhat helpful to you or you find this helpful and you want additional help, I highly recommend uh, David's uh, resources too and he has an app out and I also have my stuff. But So I highly encourage you to check out both. Uh, You can go to www.menda.health, M-E-N-D-A dot health. And there, you can basically get some information if you want to be part of this group that we offer. We offer some skills. And we also offer one-on-ones if you need that. David, uh, folks that can reach you and your resources and your great app that's out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do have an app. It's on the on the uh, Google and on Apple. Um, there's, a, there's a computer-based course called the DOC Journey, direct your own care journey at www.thedocjourney.com. Then the app is called the DOC Journey. And again, it's a very self-directed process. We tend to layer in other resources as you get that foundational set of knowledge. And Les has a wonderful set of coaching resources. And you know, we on the same pathway. We have people go back and forth between our two um, efforts here. And we've just been really excited about what we do. So thank you very, very much for joining us today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, folks. Bye-bye. David and Les
1: would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics, you can email them at David Less at Dynamic Healing Podcast.com. That's David Less at Dynamic Healing Podcast.com.
0: I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope.